Start selling on Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash CNN for a $1 per month trial. Hey, everyone. I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the CNN political briefing. Here's what you need to know in politics for Tuesday, July 11th. The United States is hoping to project NATO strength and unity at a crucial summit this week as Russia's war in Ukraine rages on. President Joe Biden is in Lithuania today for this high-stakes NATO summit. NATO Secretary Jen Stoltenberg tweeted that the allies have approved NATO's most, quote, comprehensive defense plans since the Cold War. Russia's invasion of Ukraine, of course, is front and center, and leaders addressed Ukraine's ability to join the alliance eventually. Stoltenberg announced that they've changed the requirements for Ukraine to join the group. We reaffirmed that Ukraine will become a member of NATO and agreed to remove the requirement for a membership action plan. This would change Ukraine's membership path from a two-step process to a one-step process. We also made clear that we will issue an invitation for Ukraine to join NATO when allies agree and conditions are met. And NATO allies reaffirmed their support for Ukraine's membership in a final declaration saying, quote, Ukraine's future is in NATO. Biden had indicated his support for the move ahead of Stoltenberg's announcement. We agree on the language that we proposed or you proposed uh, relative to the future of uh, Ukraine being able to join NATO. We're looking for continued united NATO. But this document from NATO does not answer Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky's most pressing request, an official timeline for when Ukraine will become a member. Even before the NATO announcement about the one-step process now, Zelensky had already expressed frustrations that Ukraine was left out of the conversation regarding its NATO membership. He tweeted that, quote, it's unprecedented and absurd when the time frame is not set neither for the invitation nor for Ukraine's membership. And he went on to say that uncertainty around Ukraine's membership motivates Russia to, quote, continue its terror. Stoltenberg stressed that membership has always been, quote, conditions based and the process does not contain a certain timeline. For his part, Zelensky arrived at the summit and is set to meet with President Biden tomorrow. Zelensky addressed a public crowd today, saying that the Ukrainian flag is, quote, still alive and free, despite being under attack. In an interview with CNN's Fareed Zakaria last week, President Biden said that Ukraine is not yet ready to enter NATO, saying that the war needs to end before the alliance can consider adding Kyiv to its ranks. And the White House continued to emphasize precisely that today. Here's national security official John Kirby. NATO is in Ukraine's future. It's pretty hard to work on some of those reforms when you're at war. So NATO membership in the immediate future isn't likely because that would put NATO at war with Russia. Of course, Zelensky's playing his role here. He is obviously frustrated, but also it is his job to continue to mount a pressure campaign on NATO for his country to join the group. It is also the job of NATO to not 
get sucked into a World War III with Russia because Article 5 would be triggered if indeed a new NATO ally, a new NATO member, was engaged in a conflict. So everybody understands everyone's role here. The Biden administration, of course, wanted to make sure that Zelensky's pressure campaign did not overshadow their big victory at the NATO summit this week, which was getting the Turkish president, Erdogan, to finally agree to allow Sweden to join the group. Erdogan had been obstructing Sweden's ascension to NATO for months and had been leveraging his position in the alliance, demanding concessions, even linking Sweden's bid to Turkey's longstanding effort to join the EU less than 24 hours before the summit. So Erdogan dropping his opposition is a major step forward. It doesn't mean that Sweden immediately becomes the next member of the alliance. That specific timeline is still unclear, but the major blockade has been removed here. And Biden met with Erdogan today to sort of put a stamp on what he considers a very significant global victory for the United States. Well, thank you for your diplomacy and your courage to take that on. And I want to thank you for your leadership. This NATO summit also comes weeks after that failed mutiny in Russia by a paramilitary group that became a major threat to President Putin's leadership. Wagner troops, led by Yevgeny Prigozhin, launched an apparent insurrection, claimed control of Russian military facilities, and warned they would head toward Moscow before calling it off. And since then, questions have been raised over Prigozhin's exact whereabouts and Wagner's role in Russia's war against Ukraine. We learned from the Kremlin yesterday that Putin actually met with Prigozhin five days after the rebellion, when he was thought to be in exile in neighboring Belarus. U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken told NBC today it's an internal matter for Russia, but he thinks there's more developments to come on this issue. I don't think we've seen the last chapter in this in this drama. Putin is clearly trying to work his way through something. uh, But this was a direct challenge to his authority, a direct challenge to the basic uh, premises of the war that he laid out. Now, as we noted, NATO is focused on presenting a unified front in support for Ukraine. But. One recent move by the United States has prompted some public disagreement from allies, and that is sending cluster munitions to Ukraine for the first time. After months of debate within the Biden administration, the U.S. announced on Friday it will send those controversial weapons to Ukraine as part of a new military package. Now, cluster munitions, also known as cluster bombs, are canisters that carry tens to hundreds of smaller bomblets that can spread out over a designated area. Over 100 countries, including the UK, France, and Germany, have outlawed its use over the long-term risks it can pose to civilians. Biden told CNN's Fareed Zakaria before the summit that it was a difficult decision to make. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan explained earlier today in Lithuania why the United States made the call it did. We were not prepared to leave Ukraine defenseless, period. So for us, when it came down to the choice, our choice was despite the difficulty, despite the challenges, despite the risk to civilian harm associated with cluster munitions, the risk to civilian harm of leaving Ukraine without the ammo it needed was, from our perspective, greater. The move comes as Ukrainian forces have clearly struggled to make major gains in their counteroffensive against Russia this summer. Some Republicans, such as Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, support 
the move that the Biden administration has made. However, overdue, these munitions will both improve Ukraine's capability to strike Russian forces and compensate for shortfalls in standard artillery rounds. Despite vocal opposition from his own party, the president ultimately made the right call. While some Democrats think it crosses a dangerous line, here's what Congresswoman Barbara Lee told my colleague Jake Tapper on CNN's State of the Union on Sunday. Once you see what takes place, we know what takes place in terms of cluster bombs uh, being very dangerous to civilians. They don't always immediately explode. Children can step on them. That, that's a line we should not cross. A larger question for President Biden and his team to grapple with about U.S. military aid for Ukraine going forward is whether or not our own stockpile of ammunition is taking a significant hit in our own readiness as the U.S. continues this unwavering support for Ukraine's battle against Russia. That's it for today's political briefing. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like the show, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. We'll talk to you tomorrow.